This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Monday, February 26, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. Western Illinois University would see a slight rise in its state appropriation under the budget plan proposed by Governor J.B. Pritzker. The 2% increase would provide Western with $56.8 million. This fiscal year's appropriation is $55.7 million. The governor also recommended spending $450 million on deferred maintenance projects for Western's campuses. Lawmakers will negotiate the budget in the coming months. The Keokuk School District will stick with a five-day class schedule, at least for now. Tri-State's Public Radio's Will Buss reports. Board of Education members considered switching to a four-day schedule for the next school year, but Superintendent Kathy Dinger says they want more time to study the concept and certain issues it raises. There's some concerns about daycare, and we don't have a really strong understanding on what those limitations are, and then food insecurity, just gathering some information there on how we might support students on a four-day school week. Dinger says the board could consider the idea again in the future. The district surveyed parents and employees about their preferences, and the most popular opinion proved to be a four-day school week. Dinger says school districts that have made the change are reporting it helps them save money and attract teachers. I'm Will Buss. A former NFL player is the new head coach for the Keokuk High School football team. Marvin McNutt played his college ball at the University of Iowa. He remains Iowa's all-time leader in receiving touchdowns and receiving yards. McNutt says he was drawn to Keokuk High because the quarterback he played with in college, James Vandenberg, graduated from the school. The 34-year-old McNutt was a head coach in the Indoor Football League several years ago and later served as assistant coach at Cole College. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is proposing a new plan to fully fund the state's pension systems. Illinois Public Radio's Alex Degman reports. Pritzker wants to use hundreds of millions of dollars spent on debt service to be put toward pensions once that legacy debt is retired. State Representative Stephanie Kifowit, chair of the House Personnel and Pensions Committee, says this isn't a new concept. If we already have this payment in our budget, it's not dedicated to any other source, then we should continue just doing this payment and shift it to our high-interest pension liabilities. It's just fiscal responsibility. Annual pension payments increase every year due to the so-called Edgar Ramp implemented in the mid-1990s. It was designed to backload higher pension payments to later years. Pritzker says this plan would save billions and ensure the pension systems are 100% funded by 2048. I'm Alex Dagman. A new report has found the majority of Iowa's rural hospitals no longer deliver babies. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs has the details. 61% of rural Iowa hospitals no longer have OB services as of last month. That's according to a report by the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. The report also found that of the 36 rural hospitals still providing OB care, 58% reported losing money on the service. Harold Miller is the president and CEO of the nonprofit Policy Center. He says insurance companies and Medicaid need to reimburse hospitals more for the cost of births. We've suggested that they also need to pay differently. Rather than simply paying for each birth, they need to be paying the hospital to be able to support 
the availability of the appropriate staff to do that. Miller says policymakers also need to find ways to recruit and train more people to work in rural health care. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. Per student funding for public schools would increase by 3% next year under a plan passed in the Republican-controlled Iowa House. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Gerlach reports. A 3% increase in per-student funding would add nearly $147 million in new money to state aid for public schools. House Democrats say even at that amount, many districts will have to make cuts or raise property taxes to cover higher costs for things like insurance. Speaker Pat Grassley says House Republicans still hope to follow up with another bill that would raise pay for teachers and paraeducators. You know, this was part of a global package and we wanted to make sure that um, we give schools some flexibility with SSA at the same time, recognizing we need to give put more money into paraeducation and teacher pay. The deadline in state law to pass K-12 funding was actually two weeks ago, but it's not clear whether the Senate is on board with the House plans for school funding or teacher pay. I'm Grant Gerlach, IPR News. The Iowa Supreme Court has ruled unanimously that Republican lawmakers don't have to disclose their emails as part of a lawsuit over sweeping changes to Iowa's voting laws. The court determined lawmakers' communications about the legislative process and legislative intent can be shielded. It also decided that the documents requested in this case are not relevant to claims that the voting law changes are unconstitutional. In our feature for today, veterinary medicine was once a profession dominated by men. In the past 15 years, however, women have become the majority of practicing veterinarians and students. Despite these changes, some areas of the field still lag behind. Harvest Public Media's Lily Holleran looks into why rural animal practices are still largely male-dominated. Dr. Bailey Lammers admits running her own veterinary practice in rural Nebraska can be a challenge, especially with family at home. When she first started Gavin's Point Vet, Lammers says she constantly juggled new motherhood while trying to build a stable client list. It's a lot more challenging, I think, for the mom, especially with newborns and everything, to be away and have to go on calls in the middle of the night to pull a calf or those kinds of things. At the start of her career, Lammers faced clients who were skeptical of her abilities. Some would even call, specifically asking for a man. Lammers says most of her clients now are really understanding that she's also got a family. And so the ones that don't believe that I should be doing what I do because I am a mom or a a woman or whatever, those are just not my clients. While nearly 70% of practicing veterinarians are women, the percentage studying is even higher at 83%. Kate Zarney is a second-year veterinary student. She says while interning at a rural practice in Wisconsin, farmers were often uncomfortable with having a woman veterinarian make livestock calls. They would have to go with one of their male vets first and be like, no, our vet is good. She knows what she's doing. This is part of what inspired the University of Missouri student to become president of her school's Women's Leadership Development Initiative. That's what this organization is focused on, is giving these leadership opportunities to women and helping them build their skills so that their confidence builds and they're ready to go take on leadership positions in their own clinics. She says there's good reason to support female leadership in the industry because women only make up 40% of practice owners. In rural areas, the contrast is even more stark, says veterinary economist Clint Neal of Applied Economics Consulting. 
those practices tend to be smaller, much more isolated, and tend to be more geared towards working with farmers and ranchers and, and people in that aspect, which on the farmer and rancher side is also very male dominated as well. Neil says this means women are unlikely to locate in rural practices, even as those areas experience a shortage of veterinarians. And women are also less likely to own a practice. Men who own their veterinary practices make up to $100,000 more per year than their female counterparts. And pay gaps also exist for specialty practices and other veterinarians. There's like no other explanation that's not discrimination based on gender. There's none. That's Dr. Tamara Hancock, an assistant teaching professor at the University of Missouri School of Veterinary Medicine. She says men need to be involved in pushing for pay equity as well. It's not these women need to negotiate more. All these men were able to just negotiate themselves up tens of thousands more dollars. Like that's just implausible to me. Hancock says the industry still faces plenty of gendered expectations, too, despite the fact that it's now a profession with a lot more women. You know, you pull up in your truck and they call a vet out, but they're not expecting you. And by you, I mean a woman. And you step out and they're thinking there's no way you can do this. And then there's the watch me and you do it. Back in Nebraska, Lammers has built a practice despite those kinds of experiences. She says with the current shortage of rural veterinarians, it's something the industry needs to reckon with. We're going to need everybody to help, you know, raise animals and keep them healthy and keep our food supply healthy. And farmers, she says, will just have to get used to calling a woman. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Lily Halloran. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-State's Public Radio. In the weather for our listening area today, we have a red flag warning, which remains in effect until 6 this evening. That red flag warning is a warning about very high to extreme fire conditions due to the windiness and dryness of the air. It should be sunny today with a high in the mid-70s and breezy with an east wind at 5 to 10 miles an hour, turning to the south this afternoon at 15 to 20 miles an hour. For tonight, it should be partly cloudy with a low in the upper 40s and south winds at 10 to 15 miles an hour. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.